This is Work of the Week. Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kerm will join us in a few seconds as we talk about what's going on. Ugly night for the Flyers last night in game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals. <clears throat> Mike and I will discuss that. Phillies have a big series, a big week up ahead. They have Washington. They're in Washington for three beginning tonight on Tuesday. Uh, we're taping this mid-afternoon. So um, three in Washington, three against the Braves this weekend. And they're in last place, and they got to get going because it's getting late quick. And obviously the trade deadline coming next week as well. Made a couple moves for the bullpen last week since we last talked to you. Uh, since the blow up in in Buffalo, um, where they blew the seven nothing lead against the <clears throat> against the Blue Jays, but they still have major bullpen issues, and uh, Mike and I will talk about that at the back end. But our main topic, obviously, it's what's going on with the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Which, since we last left you after talking to Keith Pompey Thursday night, well, the season ended. They went down in four straight. Um, Gave a little bit of a fight, at least, in games three and four. But then, obviously, what happened on Monday, Brett Brown officially announced he was fired. Uh, they are leaving Eldon Brand in charge of everything. So our guest is going to be Rich Hoffman, uh, the Sixer beat writer for The Athletic, one of the Sixer beat writers for The Athletic, uh, to discuss uh, different topics going on with the club and where it goes from here. So Rich will join us in a few minutes. Uh, as we talk Sixers and an idea on what may be going on as the franchise goes forward and what plan do they have. And obviously it looks pretty murky, and Mike and I will ask Rich that, who uh, is as close to that team as anybody at this point um, going forward. We're back on Thursday. Still haven't quite determined who we're going to try to get as a guest. Uh, obviously a lot of it may depend on what happens with the Flyers Uh tomorrow afternoon um, because they're in a critical situation. They're in kind of a do-or-die spot at this point. Um, They need to win on Wednesday if they want to come back against an Islanders team that looks really tough right now, that has gained a ton of confidence. But uh, they are not the biggest problem right now. The biggest problem is is clearly uh, what's going on with the Sixers. And, After this, we'll talk to Rich Hoffman. Mike will join us, and we'll talk to Rich Hoffman about what's going on with the Sixers. That's next here on Working the Beat. Sixers have finally made the move. Brett Brown is out. Eldon Brand seems to have held on to at least a stranglehold for now of, of, of power. Uh, lots to dissect after a morning press conference that the team's flagship station didn't even bother to put on the air. So to join us at this moment is one of the two beat writers for The Athletic covering the 76ers. It's Rich Hoffman, 
And, and yes, I created so much confusion when I said to, to Kern, yeah, we're getting Rich Hoffman on. He thought it was somebody else. Rich, how are you? <laughs> I knew That's, who you were talking about. Kern, that is, that is disappointing, man. <laughs> that is disappointing, man. I, you know what? The only thing that's more disappointing is I have never had the pleasure of going to Jack in the Box with you. In, we, you know, in my career, we neither, need to remedy that. Ne- well, neither have I. Drive, if you're willing to drive to Charlotte, we can make that happen. I think that's the closest one. I think. Yeah. Could All right, be wrong. Well, well, I got a long off season, so you know maybe uh, it's not it's not as hey. long as you think right now because <laughs> yeah. you, who knows when they're coming back. All right, the, the tacos will be on me. <laughs> wow, you're splurging for a whole dollar fifty. Congratulations! He, he might eat like he might eat like tw- twelve of them. You know? Oh, well, yeah. All right, uh, all right. So you sat through the the conference call today, and I joked that NBC Sports Philly didn't even deign the air it, uh, which surprised me. Um, what was your main takeaway from what Eldon said? That I'm more confused than ever, I guess. I guess that would be my <laughs> my main thing. I think when, you know, you look at the this season and how it's gone, I, I like Brett Brown a lot. Like, he's been the only coach I've ever dealt with. He's been, been great to deal with. I think he is a better NBA coach than some people in Philadelphia probably give him credit for. And this Sixers team is, is a little bit tougher of a team to coach, but it was time. Like it was, it was time for him to, uh, to move on and try and find a, a new voice and see if somebody can get that to work. But when you look at this roster mm-hmm. and you just think changing the coach, like they kind of like the bucks did a few years ago when Mike Budenholzer went in for Jason Kidd. if you think that's all you're going to do and this is going to work, uh, that's not going to happen. So I am more interested in the front office that has put this team on the floor. And when you talk to Elton Brand, I actually, I asked him the question point blank after he he mentioned like the collaboration has to end. And I said like, Elton, you know, you've been the GM for two years almost at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like next month, two years as the actual GM. Were you not given the autonomy that a normal head of, basketball ops is given in the NBA. And he was like, it's, it's grown. It hasn't been the whole time. It's been recent. And, you know, when I look at that and, and I hear that what they're changing is like the, the structure and whoever has Josh Harris's ear and and how things are working from the back, maybe not changing though, who is ultimately making the final decision. I'm confused. All right. Well, that leads to, I, while confusing, this leads to the ultimate question. Obviously, Brett is the biggest loser because he lost his job, although he is going to have $10 million to walk away. It's it's good to be a loser in that way. Oh, it sure. is. That's a hell of a consolation prize to, to walk I away. I want to lose like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, is Scott O'Neill really the biggest loser in this, though? If you believe what was said there, and we all know Scott has his hands in a little bit too much of the basketball stuff. Is Scott the biggest loser today? I would say that everybody who is not a normal basketball ops person who has wandered in to one of those basketball ops rooms, you might say Scott might be one of them. <laughs> there, there could have been some other minority owners maybe who have you've heard whispers. It's, it's really hard to figure out with this team who makes the final decision. And guess what? That is a problem. That and, is. You know, you know, the idea that now Elton Brands is, okay, now after two years, I got it now. That's that's like not a very acceptable explanation to me um, on how they went. And that's, again, like when Elton says that maybe he didn't have all of the uh, the power, I think, one, it's, it's a little convenient 
Like, I, I, you know, I yeah. don't think he was, he's certainly not blameless here in how they have uh, really built a roster that's, that's stuck in mediocrity somehow with two pretty good players and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But there also probably is some truth there that it's, it's a weird front office structure. And the fact that they had that weird front office structure when they had the chance to improve this team is disappointing because now it's going to be hard. Mike? Rich, I, got, I have two questions. The first one, because Kevin and I talk about this a lot, when I understand that Jimmy wasn't going to be here because Brett probably didn't want him here, and I understand J.J., it would have been tough and all that. But you go out and get Al Horford, who I don't know who's bidding with you on Al Horford, but you're paying him $27 million for four years. He's on the south side of his career probably. You bring him in here, you're, now you're going to play bully ball, and he never had a role. Was he forced upon Brett, or did Brett okay that? Or, or like, to your knowledge, how did that come about? And then I'll ask my other one. I think Brett was, like, he's clued in on it. But, you know, I, I think he would have been – Brett certainly had some friction with Jimmy. That is that is clear. Sure. That Jimmy is not a guy who, you know, it's it's – Tom Thibodeau is his favorite coach and he burned that place down when Tibbs was yeah, there. Right. So if, if he doesn't like a situation and he doesn't like the players he's playing with, it's a little bit tough. He also wanted his money. He wanted a, a max extension. You know, I think when we look back at last offseason, the Sixers had the power to give him the five-year contract. He ended up getting the four-year max in, in Miami. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm a little curious to see how he ages, but they, they certainly miss him. Um, I, I think w- when you look at, Horford, it was what the front office and, and, you know, Brett, I think is probably a little bit part of it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't place the main blame on him on this. Like, I think Elton's got to answer for this more than, okay. more than him. Elvin and Al were also good buddies too. So let's yeah. not be, let's not be that there was a little bit of a Elvin loved Al and wanted to bring Al in. 20, $28 million worth of good buddy. That's a good buddy. That's a real good buddy. The, the team they were bidding against was Boston, you know, I, but yeah. were they bidding at that level? You know, I think Boston, I forget what the exact number was that it was like 18, 19. There was like, a, yeah, there was like a Woj report. Like they were offering them three for 18 or something like that. And then once Horford said, nah, I'm, I can do better than that. Boston was like, we're out. Like, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not what we're doing. Uh, yeah. And they built this team that, like you said, it, it was supposed to play bully ball. They have no guys who get to the free throw line. Al Horford is a finesse player. Tobias yeah. Harris is a finesse player. Josh Richardson doesn't get to the free throw line. You know, Embiid is the bully ball, but you already had him. So, like, that's right. not, you know, it was just, and, and look, I'm going to fess up. I thought this team was going to be pretty good. I, where I messed we up. We all did. We all did. Where, where I messed up was I thought this team really had the talent to be very elite defensively. Like, I thought they were going to be the best defense in the week. They ended up finishing like sixth or seventh and way behind Milwaukee, who was number one. So th- that was almost a bigger disappointment than the offense because I-, I feel like Al Horford and Bede, Simmons has taken a step up defensively. Josh Richardson, that's, that talent should be good enough to be better than that defensively. So that's part of it. And then the other thing that I just didn't factor in and the Sixers didn't factor in is that they have nobody who can create off the dribble or shoot. It's just they, they went so far away from the roster they had two years ago when they had Reddick and Bellinelli and Covington and yeah. Sarge and say what you want about some of those players. Those guys were bombers. All yeah. of those dudes. And that, yeah. you know, it, I think they would make the argument that in the Boston series a few years ago, Hey, like those, those guys, they, they struggled putting the ball on the floor against Boston. And, and maybe we needed kind of a more 
one a type of primer score, which you had in Jimmy and then you just let them go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But whatever they had this year is so far from that. And it just, it it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, even though I got it wrong, uh, they got it wrong. And that's, what's, what's most important here. In the overall scheme of life, Rich, how attractive is the the Eagles? Is the Sixers job, because the Jersey job's open, we're hearing Pop's name get mentioned, whether that's right or wrong. For Brooklyn. Well, but but then some people are saying, well, would would Pop rather come here to coach these two guys? Would you rather coach an aging Durant that we don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back? And Kyrie, who can be Kyrie, he can be very good and very goofy. Do you think the Sixers is – like, do people look at the Sixers and say, oh, my God, I can go there with those two guys and make that work? I would say two seasons ago, it would be considered, like, a top-end job. Okay. People would really like it. It's it's less now. I don't think Pop is going to Brooklyn, by the way. I, I think he's just going to stay in San Antonio. But, okay. you know, I think when you look at some of the candidates that have been mentioned, like Ty Lu, that's – you know, Brooklyn is an interesting one. You know, Kevin Durant, I don't know what he's going to look like after an Achilles injury. That's pretty serious. But yep. – if he is actually what Kevin Durant was before, I think I'd rather coach that team. He's he's a notch above Embiid and Simmons for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Sixers have an attractive job, but it's a it's a goofy one. It's like I always said this with Brett: he's got a lot of talent, but it's it's really weird and putting the pieces is, is tough. And so if a coach you know wants that challenge, then they'll take it. I, I still think it's an above average one, and they're, they're not they're not going to have any shortage of quality candidates but it's like you know it's certainly dropped off over the past couple of years because i don't i don't know how they make this roster better around them i want to i actually want to get to the coaching candidates you mentioned in your article on uh tuesday morning uh but i one thing back to the defense and you talked about their defensive metrics their defense for the most part in the bubble was awful like terrible it was yeah. terrible and, and and that you know that was before even simmons went out i mean you know simmons got burned in that in that game against indiana didn't play well against San Antonio either. So is that do you think they're they were interested in anything going on in that bubble? They sure didn't look at it at times. It's a fair question. I, I mean, I think that the bubble it's been weird. The defense wasn't good for a while there, like right. league wide. I don't know what it was. Like just I, I thought it was gonna it felt be like super, a summer pickup game. Yeah, and I thought it was gonna be the yeah. opposite. I thought it was gonna be super ugly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be a summer pickup game, but just with a lot of bricks and, right. and, and really ugly basketball. You know, the shot making and the scoring was was pretty good. And I think that would even go for the Sixers in a few games. Like they they played better offense than I thought they would. The uh yeah, the the first game against Indiana, which was like you can get the five seed if you know, this was back when Ben Simmons and you still potentially yeah. could have made a run. You you were thinking like, all right, we, we have him playing it felt a new like a second chance. Stuff. Felt like a second chance for this team when they when they went in. That game was really important. And Ben Simmons and Josh Richardson, who are good defenders, got lit up. And I don't know, you know, some of it might have been Brett's scheme, but you know, a lot of defense is just like effort and and just being, you know, smart and connected on, on that end of the floor. And, you know, Ben Simmons, who for all of his faults, I think he's really taken some strides to the point where he's probably an all NBA defender this year. He got lit up and I I just you're, you're right. Like, I, you know, they started the, the way they started in the bubble. I don't think you can, you, you can make the point after everything's over and say, Hey, you know, Ben Simmons against Boston, like that, that's not a postscript. Like that's, right. that's kind of a big deal losing, you know, if another team had a player of that caliber out, it would be a big deal. But when you, when you look at how they played, I, I don't think you can say like, 
oh man, that would have been a, a deep run coming or anything no. like that. And, you know, it, it, it kind of made things easier to just, just point out what, what a disaster it is. How, I, I guess you guys would say the same thing. They were just a joyless bunch to watching them play. Yep. They were, were right. You know, I'll compare them to the, to the dream team Eagles in a lot of senses where you never felt like this is fun to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. This team had a title hope and they were fun and all that. You never felt that way. Even, even the chip Eagles, I would compare it to a little bit. Um, Well, (laughs) yeah. Okay. The last chip here. All right. Let me get to these coaches that you listed. I'm going to save the sexiest name for the end because all three of us, I'm sure, are going to talk about Why don't you start this. with the sexiest name? No, because I, because I want to get this guy – I want to get the first two out of the way, okay? Yeah, da- whatever. Da- Dave Yeager. <laughs> is that like a Jaegermeister? Uh, is it Jaeger or Jorger or how do you say it? You said it right. It's Jaeger. Oh, it's Jaeger. Dave Yeager. Obviously the sexiest Jorger. name. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> – that's, That's clearly this. That'll sell tickets, even if there isn't a person in the building next year. We'll, we'll see. You know, from from some of the reporting we've seen, some people think maybe the list won't get to the Dave Yeager parts if okay. they're able able to get one of these people. But he's just he's just a good NBA coach who, um, you know, he's coached like grit and grind Memphis, which is like you know that's another team with spacing issues, and he's coached a fast team in Sacramento. He got fired from there. He probably shouldn't have like Sacramento fires coaches that actually do pretty good there for some reason. Uh, his problem is that he has had friction with some of their players. And I think like as much as we talk about, you know, they got to figure out the offense. You got right. to get the player development working. You got to get this stuff. They, to me, the key to this job is really simple. You need an Embiid whisperer and a Simmons whisperer at the same time. Yep. Somebody that, you know, accountability is, is a word like that's a buzzword. Everybody wants to throw around. What does that actually mean? I don't know, but they need they need to play better and they need to play more consistently. And however this person does it, you know that that is what the key is. I'll take that. Does over. that take Mark Jackson out of the equation? That same type of reputation. I would I, Mark Jackson to me is like I can't believe he's in all of these coaching searches or like I did you watch the the Warriors after him? Yeah, I, I think. I haven't heard him mentioned yet, Kev, but to me, that's just my personal. No, I'm just saying his name's going to come up at some point. You know, it's it's like a bad penny. It comes around everywhere. That would be, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to hire. I'll I'll keep a pretty open mind on whatever coach they hire here. Like I think, I think finding the right basketball coach can be tricky. And sometimes the the guy at the beginning who, who doesn't seem like the obvious fit turns out to be pretty good. Whew, Mark Jackson, that would not be one I would be uh, I would be happy about. So no. Ime Uduka. Ime Uduka is he has an interesting case. First off, he's going to be a head coach at some point. He was in San Antonio for years with Pop when they were successful. He came here to Philly to get the um, Lloyd Pierce and Monty Williams role, where he gets the lead assistant role. And those two guys, you know, give Brett credit. Uh, those two guys and Billy Lang got head coaching, coaching jobs, jobs. Yep. off of what uh what he's done here i think he thought like this is the next step and i've interviewed for seven or eight coaching jobs haven't gotten any yet still a pretty young guy like that'll be okay his job was to oversee that defense Mm -hmm. this season so and that's that's kind of my problem i think he's well respected by mb and simmons like he's a guy who you know works out with them and, and maybe they think he is the guy who can 
be hold them more accountable. But I, I just wonder if his season this year, like he was a part of this mess, if that plays against him in Philly. Like, he has a better shot in Chicago, doesn't he? At this point, probably. Yeah, I mean, you you hear that he's he's a top candidate there, and he's he's going to be a head coach for somebody at some point. He just has a very kind of attractive level of experience, I would say, and and seems like a guy who might be pretty good. But I just wonder, like the Sixers role he really didn't help things too much this season so i don't know the front runner i think in a lot of people's minds ty Lue. look if you can handle lebron and coach into june every season i get it like lebron gets you to june every season right to some extent it's not it's not rocket science to coach uh lebron but but if you you know as, as a lot of people would criticize brown i would talk to some of the members of the sixers coaching staff and you know, people who are working in the G League and a lot of coaches, and this is like a league-wide sentiment, they will tell you that the biggest part of the job is just getting everybody to row in the same direction and, and keeping everybody accountable. It's it's like what I said with Embiid and Simmons, but probably even more. Just right. overseeing everything and promoting stability. Rich, why did he turn down the Lakers job that they offered him last year? Two reasons, Mike. He, they did not offer him enough money in his okay. estimation. I think it was, they offered him three years. He wanted five. And okay. his point is I've won an NBA championship and that's, you know, I think that's reasonable to some extent. I do wonder though, if he plays hardball with the Sixers, like coaching salaries are probably going to go down because of this pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. Like staffs are going to go down. That's, mm-hmm. that's one area where it seems pretty obvious where there could be cuts on the Sixers guys. I don't know if you've been to like, a Oh, practice. it's like they, watching the Hollywood squares behind Brett during the, during the pandemic where you know, uh, he, he had them all lined up. I mean, yeah. He has said that at some of his coaching meetings, he's got to kick some of these guys out. He's like, there's just too many people. So they're, you know, I think they, they like to boast that they were a, uh, you know, they're like a, a private school, like a, a Montessori, you know, kindergarten program that has a one-to-one student teacher ratio or something like that. <laughs> but, but that's going to be less. Okay. So that was the, the two things that Ty Lue didn't get in LA are one, I didn't get enough money to, to coach these guys and enough security for, for a high pressure job. And the second thing was the Lakers wanted to pick his assistants. Okay. And I think he thought like, all right, you're going to make Jason Kidd the be the guy here. So I, I have to just look over my shoulder at all times at the guy that they, they will okay, replace. That's fair. Yeah. So that, so that's what happened there. He would have got that job though. Hey, yeah, Kern, did I miss anybody? Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The guy on Villanova. Grand, Grand yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys know more about this than me. You know, I like, I, I think Jay Wright. Could we've, only have been talking about, we've only been talking about for 18 months. I mean, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> Rich, I, I will tell you this. I have been told by people that I trust implicitly people in our profession, that Jay has said at times, now I'm going back a couple years even, that he would like the challenge of coaching at the next level because it's the one thing he hasn't done. And I think they all wonder about that. Um, I, I think there's only some jobs he would take. The Knicks, I thought, was actually one he might be interested in, but it turned out he wasn't, whatever. Well, Patty doesn't want to, his wife doesn't want to move. Well, he doesn't have to move. Yeah. And even if the Jet, if the Nets came after him, for whatever reason, he really doesn't have to move there either, sort of, I guess. But I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't know if he's even the right person. But it is interesting because, you know, can he do it? Um, you know, Billy Donovan's done a pretty good job. Most of the guys Brad don't. Stevens. 
Yeah, but but some of them just get horrible teams, like John Beeline, you know, going to Cleveland. I mean, what a disaster that, that was. What are yeah, you going to work? But, but, he, but that but, was a mismatch from the start because Beeline, 66, 67 years old, and, and he's getting stinks. a team, with, and he's team, getting a team that stunk. But he got money out of it, and he'll get another job if he wants it, so who cares? It's it's true. Like, I, I would – and you guys, like, you know, I, I was at the, the Final Four, the Chris Jenkins one with you guys. Yeah. I was there that year. Um, down in Houston, that was a lot of fun. But you know, I just watching Jay from afar. They have Jack in the Box in Houston. I remember you were going in the hood <laughs> to go to go get that, that Jack in the Box. Waking up early. The and, and Mike went to kill a TV reporter in Houston. Remember that? No, don't go there. <laughs> I'll just say one thing about. I don't know what that that is in, in reference to. It might be the same thing. Some of the questions that were asked after the championship to some of the players were. Uh, they Weird. were like mind blowing how bad they were. Yeah, we um, had some issues, but they're in a different profession than I am. So I tried yeah. to give them that latitude, but there was a couple breaking points where I just was like, "Come on, enough." But that's okay. Apparently, jo- apparently, Joel had the same breaking point the other day, but that's a whole different story. Go ahead, Rich. <laughs> so, so you know, I, everything I've seen from Jay is that like. At the college coach, he's got it. As a college coach, he's got it all figured out. And what what else does he have to prove except just being one of the all time greats, right? Like that's that's right. the only thing I think I can see. He's got it completely rolling. You know, I, I look at whatever recruiting class he has. It seems like he he recruits the exact type of kid he wants, and and they keep coming in. Like not the one and done five star, but below that, and we'll just keep it rolling. I mean, they're. I thought their their team this year had a chance to make somewhat of a run, and they're, they're they, they were young, awesome. but. This year's team, this year's team coming up. If they play, or yeah, I, I don't know what the circumstances are going to be. They're going to start the, the the season two, three in the country, probably. But, but if you're, um, but if you're Jay, okay, and you're looking at this, you know, if you're looking at this 14 months ago, what would have been the normal offseason? Let's say Brad got blown out after after what happened in Toronto, and you went, okay, you got Jimmy Butler, you got Tobias Harris, you know, maybe I can make it work. Maybe we can make it work somehow in the cap, even if we lose one. We have some cap room. It could work. If you're him now, and you know this is your one shot at the NBA. It's at age 60. This yep. is your one shot at the NBA. And you have a national title program contender on your campus now. And you have no cap room. And you have a 1980-style offense in a 2020 league. Why would you take it? Except for the money. No, Kevin, there's more to it than that. It's can I do it? It's a chance. When, when Fran Dunphy well, went from no, when Fran Dunphy went from Penn to Temple, and I'm not equating the situations, but it was like, why, Fran? You're a Penn. You, it was the challenge of coaching at the next level with scholarships. I'm sure that Jay sits there all the time having won two national titles. Could he win a third or a fourth? Who knows? But it's still, okay, it's a third or a fourth. When Steve Spurrier was in Florida, and I knew a guy very close to Steve who said he wants to coach in the NFL, I said, why? He goes, because a Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. A national college title is a national college title. There's got to be part of Jay that says, can I do that? Could I get through to Joel Embiid? Could I get through to Ben Simmons? I'm not saying that means he's going to take it. or what. I'm just saying, I think we're underestimating that part of it, what drives a coach. Billy Donovan won two titles in Florida. And left. Rich. You know, the second time. Anyway. You know. Rich, comment on that? I I get it. How attractive is this job, basically, if you're Jay Wright? 
the problem is he's at his dream job. And, right. I, you know, I think that the other thing that, that he has said, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I feel like I, Mike, I've read this in your stuff and like Dana O'Neill stuff, like a bunch. He has said a bunch that he enjoys that college basketball is not a 24 seven, three five sport in Philadelphia. Like it's not like being oh, yeah. in the fishbowl right. in Kentucky. And he's got this great program, but when they lose in the tournament, you know, people are angry or make fun of them for, for a week when they have those early exits and then they forget about it. Like they yeah. watch the Phillies or something or the Flyers and yeah. the Sixers are in the playoffs. And then the Eagles uh, are at the beginning of their season. And he's like, I can just go down the shore and just be Jay Wright. And, you know, I'll just say like, if you are the 76ers coach, that's gone. Like that's, you are, you are a target. You are somebody who maybe could be like considered a legend if, if you can get that done. And the, the idea of, an intellectual challenge. I completely understand that. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not inside of his head, so I don't know what, what, what is driving. No. And the thing is, me, if it were me, Ke- I would just stay. That, that's- yeah. And Kevin and I noticed because we've been around it. He, I mean, look, Jay, Jay comes across as this great, you know, people see him. They don't understand. He can be an SOB behind closed doors. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how he coaches. He's a dictator. And you know, if, if, if dinner pregame dinners at nine Oh seven, it's at 907. It's not at 909 or but anyway, I don't know. He would have to change something if he went to the NBA, but how much would he change? Yeah, I don't know that. I in a league where the players the run level, it. Yeah. I mean, four it, players on the team would be making more money than him. It's a great question. And yeah. you know, I like I think he's a smart guy and he he might be able to do it like Brad Stevens did. But even when I think of Brad Stevens, when he got hired by Boston, he got a long contract and they turned things around pretty quickly, but they were not supposed to win right away. Like they gave right. him like, you can suck for a couple of years and we're, we're going to let you grow with this team. Right. That was happening here. You got to be good right away. And, and here's the funny thing. Look at the team, Brad Stevens coaches. It's a perimeter based team. And it looks a lot like Villanova's team. When you watch Boston play, I sit there and go, my God, that's that's like Jay's team. There's no center, you know. They, they he's got better players, obviously, than Villanova. Well, sometimes, um, but yeah, like if Jay could coach that kind of team, mm-hmm. I think he might really say, hey, yeah, but maybe you're right. Maybe the Sixers bunch isn't his bunch. And and Brad ha- uh, Brad all, Brad Stevens also has a better GM. Let's also yeah. be honest. Let's not. You think I'm I'm going to go on a limb here and say <laughs> that Danny Ainge is better than Elden Brand. The question I have for you, Rich, is do Eldon today, from what I could hear on the presser, was very close to the vest on what he wants. Uh, do you think he knows what he wants in a head coach? Uh, yeah, I do. I actually think that's the one thing he does he does want. And I think that's why, if I had to pick who this guy will be, if Ty Lue wants this job, to me, he's going to get it. Because okay. Just, just like, just kind of knowing what I know about this front office and maybe discussions they've had in the past about replacing Brett, they they do have the acknowledgement that handling the two stars and handling, like especially last year when Brett had Jimmy and JJ uh, in here, like guys that have personalities and have certainly some thoughts on how a team should play, handling that locker room, I I I don't think they want to bring in an unproven person. Now, Jay is kind of the, that's the, the interesting situation. Well, and if Scott, sure if Scott O'Neill's out of the picture on this, that doesn't help them in a pursuit of Jay. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. So 
I, you know, the, I think they want an experienced NBA hand and that's why Ty Lue is interesting to them. Like he, he checks all the boxes as far as like, you know, scheme and stuff like that, but just somebody who's had to, there's the, there's a story about in the middle of game seven of 2016 NBA finals, he's cursing LeBron out, calling him an SOB and, and, and all those. Now maybe that story doesn't get as much play. Right. If the Cavs lose, you know, things get forgotten. Things sure. get memorialized like the Philly special. If that doesn't work, who cares? You know, all that stuff. Uh, but, but somebody who's had to stand up to LeBron James, I think as easy as it is to coach him on the floor, to be in like the day-in, day-out pressure cooker that is coaching a LeBron team that has that level of expectation, that would appeal to me as somebody who could well, probably... Iverson, Iverson is going to support his nomination. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that, uh, that would be tough. Like, can you imagine when <laughs> you're this guy who's, you know, you're an NBA championship coach, but now the best job for you might be the place that memorializes maybe your worst moment in your life. That eh, it was a are. great moment. Hey, you know, he, uh, and, won, and he won the next four games. I was just going to say, and he can look down in his ring every time he thinks about That's it. Right. So, That's right. The worst part is he played good in that game. I know. That's he was great. Thing. Allen didn't really break out till the end on that game. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, do you have a question? I'm sorry. Yes, Rich. We, we, I, we've heard this word accountability over and over and over. And, and I get Whoever the coach is, I don't care if it's Red Auerbach. At some point, that would be a newsflash. Well, that would be a newsflash. Yeah. Does okay. Uh, uh, who about Pat Riley? We'll throw Pat. At some point, doesn't the center and the point guard have to look inside themselves and say, "I want to be LeBron or Kobe or Kawhi or you know, pick your people." In, in, in Embiid's case, maybe I want to be Giannis. I want to win an MVP. I want to be the top seed, whatever. Isn't it on them? I mean, I know the coach can have a role in that and can, and can hit the right tones. But at some point to me, it's about those two wanting to put this team on their shoulders and say, follow us. And, and I think in that way, maybe more the point guard even. Um, do, you, do you get what I'm getting at? Absolutely. We, we actually – Derek Bonner and I, we talked to JJ Redick on our pod a few weeks ago, or not a few weeks ago, a few months ago, sometime during the pandemic when sure. nothing else was going on. And he made the point where, while not like throwing those guys under the bus, but but he's been around the NBA for 16 years, and he's been on teams, which with, frankly, what I think is worse chemistry, those Clippers teams were a disaster chemistry-wise that he played on. He made the point that it's extremely rare to find the Tim Duncan and the Steph Curry who – not only are you the MVP of the league or something close to that, but you are the culture setter almost by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like when you see Miami and their culture, like that's an organizational thing. Even San Antonio with Duncan, that is an organizational thing. You know, Giannis, I think is probably reaching that level at some point, but to, to find a person who checks both of those boxes is difficult, but they need to do it. Like what you said mm-hmm. is absolutely right. As much as a coach can can hold them accountable, whatever that means, you know, I don't know if it means, hey Ben, you're not shooting threes. Um, we're gonna bench you. I, I, like I don't mm-hmm. know if it's it, it quite works that way in the NBA, but they need to get them to start shooting threes, and they need Joe to or at get- least shoot a twelve footer. I, I don't care if he shoots a three, you know, shoot something from ten or twelve. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, He's got to do something. He's got to get out of his comfort zone because, you know, and, and to be fair to Brett and Elton and everybody, they've all publicly and privately asked him to do that. Like just for, just for example, 
Uh, but I agree with you. They need to be the ones who who set the tone moving forward. I, I guess the the one positive note is that like a couple years ago, I was kind of wondering, are these guys going to get along with each other? They're, they're kind of a little bit different. Uh, Personalities, yeah. Yeah, a, a little bit different. They seem to be on the same page as far as people. They seem to Rich, like- given the way the NBA is played these days, is it more on the point guard? I mean, I realize Embiid can be a force, and he's got to get in shape. I mean, we've said that 150 times. But it, does it have to be almost more Simmons? I think it has to be a combination okay. of, of both. Fair like, enough. You know, with, with Embiid, and, and to some extent, you see Ben, you know, I, I certainly think in terms of playing hard on a night-in, night-out basis, like leading by example, he certainly does that. Joe, Joe did not do that quite as much as I wanted to see from him this year. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he even admitted it like a few weeks ago, like he was – he was kind of bummed for whatever reason that can't happen. Uh, it has to be from both of them. And you know, the fact that they are theoretically on the same page is good news, but like they need to set whatever, whatever level and, and say like, Hey, we're, we're not going out like this season again. And you know, that's, yeah. that's on them. Can they move Harris at <sighs> this point? Oh boy. That's uh I mean, they would have to throw in tons of draft picks. Which they don't really have anymore. Which they don't have. Yeah. Not at the level. They used to have it, but but now they don't. Um, I think I, the question is, can they move either of those guys, him or Horford? And I, I kind I'm, of, I'm assuming you're not going to be able to move Horford. Or if you're moving Horford, you're getting somebody else. Like somebody, one of my buddies brought up Kevin Love. Maybe you move Kevin Love and the salaries are close. and But it's like big contract. It's trash for trash at that point, for lack of a better yeah. term. Kevin Love is not solving no, most of your shoes. I mean, it would be nice to see somebody shoot a bunch of threes for the team, but yeah, he's not a uh, he's not taking you to the promised land uh, that swap. Yeah, it's it's tough. I I wonder which one is more untradeable. You know, honestly, because to me, at least Horford, there's a path to him to being a role player on, on a great team. I, I get it. He's past his prime. He he's not as athletic as he used to be. All of those things. But when I watch Tobias Harris. It's just like the hollowest 17 points a game. Empty calories. You can get. And, you know, it's it's really frustrating because w- when you know him as a person, like, great guy. Mm-hmm. I think as far as his skill set as a basketball player, he's 6'9". He can handle it. He can shoot a little bit. For whatever reason, he just doesn't have either the passing vision or the, the understanding of how to get to the he, – like, he literally doesn't get to the free throw line. It right. is insane. <laughs> And you know what? If he played on a crappy team, like if he was on Cleveland, he'd be Roy Henson. We, we'd all be sitting there going, oh, my God, he scores 22, 23. Use he does the, this, he does that. He's one of those guys. I'll use the baseball. I, I hate to characterize him. Yeah, I don't want to characterize him like that because that makes it sound like he can't be a winner. But it seems to me that he's got a little bit of that in him. Well, I'll, I'll use the baseball example, Bobby Abreu. He, he has a lot of Bobby Abreu, great numbers. And then you look yeah. and go, well, what does he really do that helps you win? It's tough. Yeah. And, and like his, his job when they signed him this year was to score. And, you know, I, like, I think in that series, like at least he, he hit the offensive glass a little bit. He did some things that you have to do with Simmons out, like the things that he would do is passing numbers are okay. But when you play against Boston and they have all those really good wing players that Mike was talking about and kind of like the Villanova type spread wing players that can switch and are versatile and he can't, score on anybody like he was not right. busting up Kemba Walker when they got like the, oh. Brett Brown was trying to get him on Kemba Walker so you can score and that's their worst better 
And he really couldn't do it at that high of a level. It was like, you know, leaner, mid-range jumper. And sometimes that goes in, but compared to what Boston's getting on the other end, you're losing the math battle on that one. So it's, uh, I, I don't know. And that's, that's the crazy thing with Elton Brand. Like he's like, I'm going to try and, and reset this roster. Okay. Now, now it's really hard. You know, a couple of years ago, I would have said you had some maneuverability, even last season, there was some, there were some free agent options you could have taken mm-hmm. for less money that fit these guys better, like Bogdanovich in Utah or something like that. Or even, even if they went after Kemba and maybe they beat Boston. I don't, I don't know what you do now. Those contracts stink <laughs> and I don't know how you move them. And, and then the ultimate question is, you know, when you look at it, they do have the two pieces they could move. And Eldon was pretty adamant today he wasn't moving them. And I don't think anybody blames him for that. But there is a timeline here that if this coach doesn't work, if this doesn't work this next time, you're going to have to make a choice, aren't you, on one of them? I think the question, because of what they put around those two guys, the question has changed. It, It used to be, are we going to have to trade one of these guys because they don't fit together? And now there's a little bit of a different question. Are we going to have to trade these guys because there's no way out with the rest of this roster and there's yeah. no other way to get better? And so now you have to weigh both of those things. And I would not trade either of them. I would like try like hell to move Horford and try and bring in some shooting, draft some shooting. Hopefully, like I think the one thing in fairness to Elton Brand some of their their later picks in the first round, like I think they had encouraging seasons from Matisse Thybul right. and Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz. Now, to be fair, those are singles, and, and they've whiffed on all of their home run swings that we've just talked about, the, the ones that are really important, and they're more important. Zaire Smith, too. Zaire Smith was a, a bad pick, and obviously, you know, that, that was bad. And Shemet was a good pick. It was a good pick. Oh, he's not here anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. But unfortunately, in, in one of their home run swings, they <laughs> whiffed. You know, he, yeah, they whiffed, and he was part of it. So they undid one of their their hits. I mean, God, yeah. Landry Shamit, you know, it's funny that they moved Al Horford out of the starting lineup. It was like right before the All-Star break in like yeah. February. They finally did it. If Landry Shamit was here, he would have been in the starting lineup by like November. They, they would have been like, all right, we, we need his, his shooting. He could do his, his mini J.J. Redick type of thing. Um yeah, they, they have to. That is a question that they now realistically could answer. Now, I, I agree with Elton, though. I would try like hell to, to move the roster around, hope that whoever this next coach is can, can get through to those guys because they are, for all of their faults, really talented. And if they yeah. want to be here, I, I think you try and make that work. But it, it is something that I don't think is like you can unreasonably, like, you, you, can, you can't balk at. Like the, the idea of having to trade one of them anymore. It's it's something that, you know, if it doesn't work out over the next couple of years, it's probably going to happen. That's depressing. It really is. Considering what they went through to get to this point, it feels like a big letdown. Considering where they were last. Yeah. Uh, when they lost to Toronto. Four hops and, away. I mean, yeah. It, it, it was a good yeah. team. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it wasn't perfect, but that was a good team. Yep. And. You know, they didn't want to run it back in everybody's terms, you know, with, with Jimmy and JJ, that would have been even more expensive than they are now. Final, final question. What happens to Brett? Does he take a year off? Does he do some television? Does he end up in the NBA somewhere on a bench or what? 
I hope he takes a year off. I I, I think just yep. the, the amount of shit he's had to deal with, <laughs> just dealing with the media and all that stuff. Like, like you said, he just got $10 million, man. Go, go to Maine and go fish for a long time. Um, he is the coach of the Australian national team. So he has an option for next year, obviously. I don't, Australia's yeah, I don't, not a bad, Australia's not a bad place to spend four or five months you know, to, get, to get away from America. Yeah, good timing. Go <laughs> yeah, so I guess you know I don't, I don't even know like what's going on with the Olympics. I guess they're having it next year, but yeah, they're trying. Yeah, they're going. I'm sure, try. he'll be their coach next year, and he takes a lot of pride in that. And he'll get the he'll get to coach Ben again if if Ben wants to play. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's do you, maybe another rebuilding team takes a takes a shot on him. I, I don't know like what that situation is. Well, would, it, would a place like New Orleans have any interest in them now? It's, it's tough. I, you know, I think they just had a coach that, you know, like Alvin Gentry who's kind a of a little bit like coach who, Yeah. A little bit. Right. And I think with Brett, some of the questions about like making adjustments and, you know, whether his scheme would work, that that's probably part of it. I, I would probably bet against a place like New Orleans. So yeah, I, I don't know if he'll ever, get an NBA job again. I, Mike I Jensen had actually floated the idea today about him maybe getting a college job. And I, you know, you know, Brett a lot more better than I do. I mean, it didn't make, it didn't sound unsensible that maybe he'd be a good guy working with 18 and 19 year old kids who were just trying to learn the game. I think he would. And this is kind of just me and him personally talking though. Like he might hate college basketball from, um, what, I, from what I know. He might, okay. he might just like he's like an international guy. He just okay. might not think it's it's quite the highest level that you need to. I look, I agree with you. I think you know him working with the younger guys. He's definitely found a way to like. He's demonstrated that he can deal with kind of volatile young personalities pretty well. Um, I, at some point, I feel like he'll get some sort yeah. of coaching job again. But I don't. How know. old? How old is he, Rich? Fifty nine. Yeah, six so years he's old. A year old. He's a year older than Jay. Yeah. Funny. Okay. Well, I, I'm not sure I see Brett going in and kissing parents' asses. That's, that's where tough, I, right? That, that's no. the worst. Yeah, that's the bad part about college. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, and, I, and wouldn't even a good college coach tell you that that part stinks? Yeah, so I'm not sure Brett is Jay Wright called it. Jay Wright called it a cesspool about five or six years ago to me. He said, he, he, it's definitely the worst part, I think of being, even though I think those coaches like going into houses and seeing kids, I think the whole process is just, just um, and the kids Jay's dealing with are probably different than the kids that yeah. many coaches are dealing with. So yeah, he's not dealing uh, with the one and donors. So uh, yeah, he's again, not, eh, not, not yet. Not uh, like some other teams. Right. Right. Rich Hoffman, uh, read his work in the athletic, him and Derek Bodner, uh, have teamed up all year covering the Sixers. Uh, Part of the great, uh, really good Sixer B core between him, uh, those two and and Keith Pompey, who we had on last week to talk about his this. Da- his dad taught him well, I think. Yeah, and, and he is the first player on, person on this podcast that I covered as a high school player, so I feel really old at this. Really? Point. Yeah, at prep. Saint Joe, Saint Joe Prep, right? Speedy Morris, ne- next next Sixers coach. Next, <laughs> that's some accountability right there. That me, would yeah. be accountability and oh, be yeah. funny locker room stuff after games. <laughs> Uh, Rich, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Rich, stay good, man. See you guys. All right. Rich Hoffman joins us, and we'll be back on Work of the Beat right after this.
Our thanks to Rich Hoffman for joining us. Uh, what the hell was that? MSOP, right? The sound of Philadelphia, TSOP. TSOP, wow. There, I got it. You're bringing that out of the vault. I felt like a very disco mood today when I did the bumper music. Look, look, disco was what disco was. There was (laughs) some good parts of it. Oh, yeah. A lot of it is, a lot of it's forgettable. But you never go wrong with the sound of Philly from no. back in the day. And actually, so. uh, on the, before we brought you in, I had, um, um, oh, hold on. I can play for you here. Uh, there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, big fan of this song. You're not? No, because, wait a minute. This was the Eagles song, right? Well, this is just the... General version, yeah. Right, but yeah, I don't like those theme songs. Like Pirates had. Well, know. it's not a theme song. It's just it was originally just a McFadden and Whitehead. Right, song. and it was okay then. And then you just kind of made it. It'd be like the Pirates in '79 with Sister Sledge, um, and and that's when it just goes over the top for me. But yeah, and by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't say that Rich was great. Rich is um, awesome, and obviously, and I his father was awesome. His dad and I, this is amazing. We were hired, I believe, like two weeks apart. I I beat Rich by two weeks, I think. Okay. Um. So we were there, and, and we basically left the same time because he left like, uh, I don't know, a few months before I did. Um. So basically our careers were our careers, and um, Rich was the voice of Philadelphia for, you know, for a long, long time. And um, it's, it's nice to see the sun – Come up. I mean, I got a chance to be, you know, three, four years ago, you know, events with him and stuff. And yeah, we so both yeah, covered Houston with him. That is correct. We did. And the irony was his father wasn't there. And his father would have enjoyed it more than anybody. Yeah. And Rich was the boss then, I guess. That's, yeah, he I was. Guess that's why Rich wasn't there. <laughs> you know, we should get Rich on one, one day. We should have like a retired beat. Uh, oh, I get Richie, get do it. Ford, get. And you know, just kind of an. But old, we had Ford. We've had Bob. I know, but like do an old timers. No, 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 no. You should just do one with Rich. Okay. Just do one. And see if he'll come on and okay. and um, you know, because Rich obviously could put a lot of perspective on where we were and where we're going, and where we are. Um, <laughs> let's switch to the Flyers. Um. Yep. It's one game. Wasn't pretty though. No, but it's one game, and yeah. yeah look, let's be realistic. They came into the bubble. They played really well those first three games mm-hmm. to get the one seed. They, they really did against three good teams, although the Caps went out. But still, three good teams. Um, and then they played, I think, a, a, a Montreal team that's better than maybe we gave them because yeah, they were like 24th or whatever, and then they upset the Pens. Right. And, and you know, and, and this Isle team reminds me a little bit of the Montreal team in, the, in kind of like a greedy team, except they score more. And the Flyers didn't play great. Even I mean, they were outscored in the Montreal series and won the series in six games, but they played well enough, often enough, in that series to get it done. Last night, they didn't play well, but I think there was a lot of people coming into this that were a little, um, what's the right word I'm thinking of? Um, not worried, but um, uh, knew this could be a tough fight because of – Partially because of how well the Islanders had played against them during, the, but they played the Islanders early in the season. It wasn't after the Flyers got good, right? And Montreal had played well against the Flyers. I, I think though the one, 
the one thing I take comfort in is I thought their second period last night may have been the best in the bubble. Uh, for all the periods they played, they, they, just were con- score. they just didn't score. They were constantly yeah. on the attack. They were getting good pressure. If yeah. you do that against Valarmov during this series, you will break through. I mean, he's not Billy Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but can they score enough, Kevin? Well, that's no, but that's what I'm saying. If, if you have... Yeah. If you have that pressure, it will eventually translate. I mean, the problem. Oh, go ahead. No, no, the problem I had last night was they got steamrolled. They got physically manhandled in the first and third periods. Couturier and Giroux have become invisible. But then I was I was actually out in my car when the second goal was scored, which was early in the third period. Right. And on the radio, I'm trying to remember who it would have been. I guess it was Coach Coach or Saunders. Yeah. Was saying that Couturier just made a horrible play in front of the net. Yeah. Like lost his guy. Yep. Um, and look, we all know he's a really, really, a bad really night. good two way player. Um, it's getting scary. And you wonder how much um, this is playing on their mind that they haven't been scoring. Um, I think I saw a stat. Drew hasn't has one goal in his last twenty three playoff games, something like that. That sounds about um, right. Yeah, that well, that can't be right. But yeah, you're right. Well, it no, is. but I'm saying I I think actually factually it's correct. I mean they've got yeah, a couple. It shouldn't be right. It shouldn't be right. Yeah. But it, yeah, be. it could be. I mean, look, because he was a non factor in that series against the Penguins uh, or the Capitals yeah. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He was a non factor against the Rangers in the seven game loss. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and this is the this is the funny thing when people talk about Drew in the Hall of Fame, and I think he's a guy who you would discuss for the Hall of Fame, and we see him all the time. But if your playoff record is going to be like that, not that that's the be all end all, right? Uh, and by the way, we should mention that Dick Allen's Hall of Fame thing got pushed back. Yeah, I was sure gonna I was gonna mention that. that. Yep. Like, but I mean, at some point now, Voracek's had a fairly good postseason. It's been great. On, he's been great on. He's the only one scoring on the power play right now. But go ahead. Yeah, and but of the other five guys that had 19 goals or more, their top five goal guys, I don't think any of them have scored. And um, well, Connect Me has Connect Me hasn't scored. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I think the five guys. Yeah, but at some point you, we keep thinking they're going. They have to, right? Um, but maybe they don't. I, I don't know. The one thing that got me last night was it felt like they did not get on the power play at all. Um, it felt like – I know they had one late in the game. Uh, let me see what their numbers were officially. But it, it just felt like they were they were constantly at even strength, and they're not this the, has been the a type of team – Oops, excuse me. More dangerous than the other. There we go. Sorry about that. Uh, I clicked <laughs> on the box score to get uh, – to get that those stats and power play, they were over one. Both teams, in fact, it was called. It was they let them play last night, All right? And the Flyers can't win a series like that. Phillies uh, Flyers have to get on the power play and convert on the power play if they're going to have any shot in the series. I think. Yeah, I mean, usually in postseason hockey, Kevin, it's the special teams that win for you. That's what you see a lot of times because when teams are even strength, they basically play pretty even. Um, there's not a lot to choose between teams. So look, they took a shot last yeah. night. They took a they, they took a kick to the gut. Now they haven't lost back to back games since mid January or something like that. So we'll see what they come back with in game two. But 
And, and I don't want to be the guy that's going to say, hey, look, if they lose game two, they can't win the series. It obviously makes up. With the quick turnaround, a- with the quick turnaround, the game three, it will hurt if they if they drop oh. game two, it could get real. It could be over quick. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, so you, now you're putting a lot of pressure on them. They haven't had that pressure. When was the last time they had a pressure game? You tell me. The Boston game, when Boston came in here right before the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah, when they had the uh, nine game But even if they lost streak. that game, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, they, they played well, a good game and Boston played a little better. You know, this is a, this is a, if I, you're would say, I, would, I would say game six against Montreal was pressure because if you lose game six, then you got price, you got to face price in game seven. You're right, but you still have game seven. And if you lose game two, you still have, you know, games three and four and hopefully more, but you're right. But I think this is the first time. Oh, they're, they're back really against the wall. Feel, yeah, like they really need to win this game. And, you know, and I look. The goaltender was great last night, by the way. You know, people see 4 nothing. One one was an empty net goal, yeah. seven and a half left, which I, I don't get right. what Vigna tried to do. But uh, well, I guess you figure, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. At that point, I don't think it matters what you It do. doesn't, but I mean, you know, he, kept, he could have been 4 nothing after a period. Against a normal goaltender last night, that's yeah. how good the offense was for for New York in the first period. Um, yeah. Let me flip it to the Phillies. Um, three in Washington beginning tonight. Then they come over. Washington, Washington stinks, right? Uh, Washington struggling. Washington starting pitching struggling, which is hard to believe. Oh. No, Strasburg yeah. is gone. So yeah. Um, and then three against Atlanta over the weekend, and then three against the. Uh, Nationals next week. This is it. I mean, trade deadline coming up. Uh, they and the bullpen is still a mess, even with the moves they made on Friday. Well, I mean, look, Clintac knew he had to do something after the manager calls him out. You know, early in the week on and says, Thursday, you know, yeah, go get help. Um, they hey, they came within an eyelash of losing Sunday's game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the the great throw, the great relay throw. You know, and a great play by Knapp saves him from going to extra innings. Um, I, Kevin, look, they're, they're hitting. They seem like – they're a weird team. They hit, but then they don't hit in certain situations. They seem like they'll have the bases loaded with nobody out a lot and not get much out of it. They'll score seven in the first inning and not score until the, eighth, yeah. the seventh. Yeah. Right. Um, look, I, I still think what I thought all along. They're not the fifth-best team in the majors. They're not the 25th-worst in the majors. They're somewhere in that middle, and that means, you know, you got a chance to make the playoffs. I know it look, sounds stupid to say that maybe. Their division isn't much. Uh, you know, the, the, the Nats, the Mets, you know, nobody. The Braves are the best team, but the Braves are hurting a little bit with people being out. Um, yeah. I, well, you know. let, let me ask you a question, okay? And, and we, we, you know, we, we've joked that. All right, we've done all the Brett Bouton watch, and now I think it's going to turn into the Matt Klintak watch if they don't make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, I've been on the record where I, I didn't think they would let a GM go in the middle of a pandemic in a shortened season. But will they have much of an option if they don't make the playoffs this year? You mean after the season? After the season. Hey, look. Which isn't if, that if far I, away if you think about it. It's a month from the day. I don't think... Or a month uh, from month from uh, Thursday. I don't think it's it's inconceivable that they could let him go, um, but I think they also have to let the guy above him go. I, I think it's a, a joint thing. Uh, I, 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 
you know, it's pretty bad when your manager calls you out. Yeah. Which is and the manager's on, going nowhere. Right. The manager's, yeah, he's here for three, four, whatever. He wants to be here, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, look, we all sat there and said, why, does the bullpen, why is the bullpen so bad? And I heard an interesting thing on the radio the other day about somebody said, well, you know, don't blame Middleton. I mean, they had, their payroll's $200 million. Maybe they spent the $200 million wrong. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and answer why they didn't spend a lot of money in the bullpen um, to go over the luxury tax or whatever. They got burned with Robertson last year. Um, maybe Robertson will be back. Maybe the other guy will be back. But we knew their bullpen was a mess, uh, you know, and, and it hasn't disappointed. Um, but, look, it, to me, this year is all about If you can make the postseason, even in a goofy year, where half the teams make the postseason, it's something because you yeah. haven't been there since two two eleven, um, and that's as much as I, that's as far as I'll go. You know, they're not winning the World Series this year. They're not, but I think if they miss the playoffs, Kevin, I think know, you, I think you're going to have to do something at that point because yeah. it's not even like okay, you missed the playoffs, but look what we have in our farm system. Exactly, it's, it's like. It's five years. You got nothing in the farm coming up. Look, Alec Bohm looked great offensively the other night. How about defensively? He looks awful. He's not a third baseman. baseman. Why was he playing third baseman in the minors? Will somebody please tell me that? Because that's where they projected him. Well, then somebody's wrong. I mean, in, this isn't me talking. This is the experts on TV talking about Alec Bohm. He obviously can have a place in the majors, I think, because of how he swings the bat. Now the question is, well, okay, if he's not a third baseman, or I mean, are you willing to have a guy at third base that might make twenty five errors a year? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Do you make him a first baseman? Well, you've got a first baseman, maybe. Um, do you make him a left fielder because I, that's the two places I guess you would put a guy, right? Yeah. yeah, left fielder, first base. So, and then of course that would open up a gap at third base. So I don't know. Segura um, back to third, carry to yeah. third. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. They better hope for the sake of everything that Howard is lives up to what he is supposed to be. Because if he don't, let's say for some godforsaken reason, we're sitting here a year and a half from now, and Howard and Bohm both aren't quite those kind of guys. Then there'll be another GM. But that's a decade, Kevin. That's, yeah, a, I know. that's a decade. Um, you know, I, look, you're around that team. You were around that team a lot more than I was. So you have more of a knowledge of how it works. I, I just think I'm really trying to figure out, like, they're at the $200 million, okay? They don't want to go – they, they, they've shown a reluctance to pay a lot. And, I, look, I don't blame them if they don't want to pay a luxury tax, if, especially if they don't think they have a team that can really win it all right now. But when you come out with that statement a few years ago about spending stupid money or whatever, right? you know, now you got a catcher that you got to sign. I don't think they're going to sign the shortstop, um, which is going to create another hole next year. I guess Segura goes back to short. I, I, who knows? Um, if they don't sign the catcher, well, it's I, going to, it's going to be bad. And I said I that really I said that the three most important voices right now in this organization are Joe Girardi's, who I think could probably have an open line to Middleton if he feels like there's a real issue. Uh, Bryce Harper who you know there's a pre-established relationship between Harper and Middleton, and obviously Real Muto. Because I wouldn't even go Real Muto. I, I think he's an important part of this 
But I don't think – I think Harper, you're dead on. Because Harper's the guy you went out and, and spent $340 million on. He's going to be here for 13 years. Now, didn't he structure his contract in such a way yeah. that he can – like, how long do we have on that, Kevin? Like well, no, you got 11 years left after this one. Uh, right, but didn't he structure it a certain way that he, there's a way out for him no. at some point? Or no, no. Okay, he structured it so he could get annual value that allows okay. them to go buy – other players now he can make life miserable and basically say you know get get rid of me or, mm-hmm. or make it real right. difficult i i say real mudo has a voice because at some point here there's going to be a conversation between john middleton and jt real mudo about whether he wants to stay here and if jt yeah. real mudo looks around and goes you can't win with this team and this structure, will John Middleton then go, you know what, you're right, I need you here, but I'm going to surround you with better players, and I'm going to surround you with new leadership to pick the players. That's where I'm saying well, it could be the new the, the Yeah, voice. but and I hear what you're saying, but in, in this, yeah, and we're dealing with the now, the, the now. But Ria Molto is, you know, 30 years old or whatever he is, and he's, he's going to get, you know, Harper's here for the next decade. Yeah. And he's the face. You've made him the face. Now, there may be a new face four years from now or five years from now, you know, but he's the face of your franchise. And he's the guy that you went out, whatever you said to him uh, a year ago, year and a half ago, to get him to come here, you know, he he bought in. He And then the money, obviously, but he bought in. Um, and now he's sitting here maybe a year and a half later going, whoa, whoa, yo, wait a minute. It's not quite going the way I, I thought it was going to go. And that's why I think he has – even more of a of a say in that regard, and he's having a, a great season, mm-hmm. um, and the catcher is too. Um, they, they they just seem to me, Kevin, like like I said, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. If they're not going to make the playoffs, God forbid, maybe they win a series. And who who knows? But they just don't seem they don't they, mesh. They, they don't met like and look, Andrew McCutcheon's playing better. And, and he's he's a guy, he's an important guy, but he's not the MVP guy from six years ago. Yeah. Jake Arrieta isn't the Cy Young winner from five years ago. And it seems like they have too many of those kind of guys. I agree. They gave King they gave Kingery the money, and we all thought we, we weren't sure at the time, but we're like, but Mike, now it looks why, like Mike, why do they have these guys? Because they haven't developed no, in their farm no system. You're right. Kevin, you're I, I I can't sit here and now let me ask you a question. In single A or whatever, like the developmental parts of your minor league are, do they have a few guys down there that they think? A couple of the scouts that I've talked to said their single A was better or projected okay. to be better. It's tough, though, to know what yeah. the development's yeah. going to be after what's going on this year. Yeah. And you don't know what the structure of minor league baseball is going to be after this year because that's true. Too. they're going to eliminate certain levels. Uh, and look, the, the players that are the prospects are still going to stick around, but you may only have three or four farm teams instead yeah. of six. Um, you, you know, I, I, I really like, I, I'm really concerned about the future of the franchise because I don't see, they've overvalued the players that they've come up with. Okay. You look at Hoskins, you look at Franco, you look at Kingery, you look at um, you look at Velasquez, you look at other players that have come through the system and were supposed to make an impact. And the only one that really has 
has has been Aaron Nola. And that's not good. No. No. And, yeah, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, first of all, you can't fix that. No. What has happened has happened, and that's going to hurt you. And You can't win a title, usually. By just by just buying players and bringing players in, it doesn't. It usually doesn't work that way. I'm sure there's an exception somewhere along the line that I'm missing, um, but it just doesn't work that way. And and people think that though. Fans think that. Fans look in the free. That's why the John, free agent, John Middleton spent 200 million. I'm sorry, and you you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you know, he spent 200 million. If you can't put a a team that makes the playoffs out of 200 million, that's on you. That's on something in yeah. your system. And what's more alarming to me is it's not even like the Phillies have traded guys and those guys have gone on and flourished, like the Ken Giles right. of the world and all. Right, right. Like right. the only one that yeah. you may say that about is Sixto Sanchez. Yeah. But, I mean, look at the moves they've made in like the last, let's just say the last three years mm-hmm. when, they, when they went out and got Arietta. And I said to you, I said, look, I don't agree. I mean, I knew why they did it. I understood why they did it. But this guy was past his prime. He wasn't the guy they thought they were getting. And he's been average at best, Yeah, I would say. Okay. And that's a lot of money. They went out and got the left fielder. And I'm not knocking the left fielder. He was having a really good influence on this team last year. Then he got hurt. The, but the injuries have killed him. Yeah, and he's older. And and he's a great guy mm-hmm. to have in the clubhouse by all accounts. I like the DD signing. Uh, I could I, but again, you're getting a guy who's been injured the last year and a half. And you only get him for a year. You're getting him for a year. Uh, who who am I missing? I, I must be missing somebody. Now they went they, out and got Weor. Weor was a free right. agent though, right? Yeah, they, they okay. went out and signed Dave Robertson two years ago. They went out right. and re-signed Tommy Hunter. They tried right. Pat Neshek. They've you know they've yeah. tried and they've patched and all this. And it, if you keep patching, well, the Robertson one, the Robertson one reminds me a little bit about Arietta. Robertson at one point was really, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But they're getting him. He's been in the majors 12 years or whatever he's been in. You know, at some point, the arm's going to stop working. <laughs> it's, you know, and it just seems like that's the kind of guys they're getting. And you can get those guys if you're the Braves and you're on the verge of maybe winning something and all you need is that one piece. Um. Yeah, it, it's it's weird, Kevin. And like I said, you, you've you've been covering them for the last fifteen years or whatever the heck you've been covering them. Um, it just and I think everybody kind of thought that the worst part was over. Now, you know, as soon as they signed Harper, okay, well, you know, now you know, and don't the Nats go and win the title? <laughs> you know, yeah. without him, and not that's his fault. I don't mean it that way, but uh, you wonder, you wonder. You know, you talk about the decisions the Sixers might have to make, and they may not have to make them because maybe they can't make them. Um, the Phillies offseason is going to be, you know, probably a make-or-break offseason. Well, and this, yeah. Uh, and this is an interesting week. And, and really, their offseason, <clears throat> let's say, let me float out the scenario, Okay. Let's say they just get whipped this week by the Nationals and the Braves. Trade deadline's Monday. Would you deal JT Realmuto? Well, one of the problems this year, Kevin, is everybody's in it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's almost nobody who's out of it. I mean, even if the let's say the Phillies go four and five this week, you know, 
and now there's still three or four games under 500 halfway through the season. You probably still could sit there and figure, like, look at it and say, hey, you know, we're playing all these division games. You get that. I, I don't know. You know, could we get the second in our division? Who, who knows? I, I just don't know. And, and how many teams are going to be willing to pick up Riamolto for 30 games knowing that he's going to be a free agent probably? I'm sure there is. You know what was interesting? I was listening on, I guess, the radio. And I, I just, the reason I said it is Jeff Passan just did a trade deadline preview article, and he has Real yeah. Mudo as the, the main guy. Well, yeah, and, and look, I heard something the other day that surprised me. It said that if Rio Molto is a free agent, because somebody was trying to make the case, well, the Phillies won't have much competition. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. They listed the Mets, the Yankees, and there was one or two other teams. I, I actually, the Yankees. I, I'm like, wait a minute. Don't they have? I, I can, I can update you on this, okay, because okay. I talked to some sources this week. Um, the Mets and Yankees. The Yankees have Gary Sanchez, but I think they've tired of him. Um, he, Christ, two years ago he was like a budding star, right? Yeah, he was also hitting under two hundred. Least I saw. Okay. Um. Okay. And I had somebody who I trust in the game, who's never steered me wrong, told me. They said, "Look out for the Astros." Who? Could, uh, it was another team that was mentioned. Yes, and the Rangers. I didn't, I didn't hear the Rangers, but... Okay, the Astros and Rangers won. Both they're, will have they're, money. They're both near his home, right? And they're both near his home in Oklahoma. Right. Yeah, I, look, I don't know what Riamolto's thinking in his head. I would think part of him wants to play on a team since he's never been in a postseason, right? Mm-hmm. I think he might want to play on a team that's, that's good. Oh, and with, maybe he with, thought coming to the Phillies was... You know, when they got Harper, maybe he's sitting there going, yeah. With Houston, he would definitely have that shot. Sure. And with the sure. Yankees would have that shot. And the Rangers probably not as far away as you think. And the, and look, we were talking about the Mets before the season. Like, they were, you know. Yeah, a, the, a, the, a, Mets, a, the Mets pitching injuries hurt it, but yeah. Right. Um, I, And I don't know what he, I, you know, he, is he a New York kind of guy? I don't think so. I, it doesn't seem like that. So maybe Houston. But it also is, depends is, who the team. owner is, too, coming in with the Mets. Yeah. But but I don't. He just doesn't strike me as a New York kind of guy, at least Yankee Stadium type of guy. You know where you're going to have to deal with that crap every night. Where there's well, not in this COVID age. I guess you don't have to. Deal he doesn't. With, have, he with, doesn't strike me as a, as a city field type of guy either. I mean, but. no. So so maybe hey, look, maybe Houston makes sense. Um, but maybe the Phillies make sense. You know, I mean, I you know, but the Phillies better show something here at the end. Well, like they they I, they better. Let me put it this way. If you don't miss the playoffs, you better be damn close. Well, let, let, he Real Molto wants to set the record for a catcher, right? Which is $24 million. And that sh- he should. He will. Okay. Okay. But I think, and I'm just reading, this is totally me now, reading this, that Middleton and, and probably a lot of other owners are sitting there saying, you know what? It's COVID. They're, the free agents are not going to get as much money this year because teams are going to lose money this year. And I'm not sure he's right, at least in this case. I'm not saying across the board that might not be somewhat true. And you know what? You're right. And I would argue that off the books next year, I'm actually going to look this up while we're, while we're talking about it. Off the books, they're going to lose an Arietta. They're going to lose Robertson. They'll lose Didi. Right. And isn't uh, I'm trying to think if there's any, but yeah. But but the other thing is, Kevin, you have to go out and replace those guys. Like, it's easy to sit here and say, 
they're going to lose $40 million in salary, let's say, between those three guys, mm-hmm. okay, or $45 million. Well, okay. Well, if you go out and give JT $25 million, that only leaves you $20 million to replace those three guys, and that's you're still going to put you over the luxury tax. All right. So it's it's easy to say that, but then you got to go cheap for your number four three starter. You got to go cheap for your shortstop where you put Segura back there. Um, and who's your Robertson? So you know you still need here. Here's the guys coming off the Phillies that are free agents. Okay, free agents. Jake Arrieta would be a free agent, or Jake Arrieta is a free agent. Okay, uh, Jay Bruce would be a free agent. Didi Gregorius would be a free agent. Uh, JT Real Mudo is a free agent, obviously. Brandon Workman's a free agent. Jose Alvarez. They got a lot of guys who are, who would be free agents. Right, but if you let those guys go and go out and get other free agents, I understand. they're going to make just as much or more. It's, it's not solving the problem. The, the problem, you know, so all of a sudden you need a shortstop, a third starter, uh, a catcher. Well, that's where uh, you need Howard to be the third starter. Well, yes. But in baseball, as we've learned watching the Mets every year or watching the Nats this year, you can't have enough starters. They have if a they have a payroll four, total right now of 113 million guaranteed for next year, 100, almost 114 yeah. million. Um, yeah, and if you get Riamolto, that'll move it up to whatever. But you know, we know that they need to get relief pitchers and they need to get starting pitchers, at least not the one or two guys. You know, you hope you have them. But these things are going to cost money. Yeah, they like, are. You know, even a three or four starter anymore gets, you know, $15 million or or whatever, and you're not always sure you're going to hit. Um, I just think from a PR standpoint and a legitimacy standpoint and all those other standpoints, and it may turn out to be bad. And that's the uh, that's our number yeah. for next year, by the way. So How okay. old is Riamolto? He'll be 30. Okay. So you're hoping – I'm guessing he wants like a five-year contract. Yeah, so it'll be 35, uh, okay. but it's easier okay. to digest it now in a uh, DH league. Yes, you are correct, and I think you can probably count on him for at least three more probably solid years as a catcher, maybe more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, 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 if you think that right now he's your second-best player on your team, which he, at worst he's the second-best player, right? I just don't know how you can let him go. No, I agree. All right, Michael. So on Thursday, we'll do this again. No idea on guests. We'll kind of see where the Flyers are at this point going forward. Maybe you better hope they're you better hope they're one one. Yeah, you better hope so. And they of course they got, a game, game. They got a game Thursday too, right? Yeah. So so maybe we'll just talk Phillies on Thursday, and uh, we'll see where it goes. All right, Michael. Appreciate it. Okay, babe. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks to Rich Hoffman for joining us. Sorry. Right, thanks for to you for joining us. We'll see you on Thursday. This has been Work of the Beat.